Let's get chilly. Hello and welcome back to Let's Chill, the official unofficial Minnesota Strike, Minnesota Witch Hill, Minnesota Ultimate Podcast. I'm Jeff. I'm Jay. And I'm Kane. And we are recapping another huge Minnesota Ultimate Weekend. The Strike and Winchell both played at Seafoam Stadium yesterday. Uh, I guess by the time this podcast comes out, it's been a couple days now, but they did their first ever doubleheader, and it was awesome. Uh, Before we get too much into it, we're obviously going to start like we normally do with some stall sevens. Who wants to start with the stall seven tonight? I got a good one. All right, hit us. All right, Kane. Currently, who is the Minnesota Windchill assist leader? Assist leader? Josh Klein. That's right, yeah. I was like, maybe Paletto? I could see it being Paletto. Or so, like, some dude who played for like 10 years. Oh, sorry, I meant, I meant for the season. For the season? For the season. I was Josh Klein still. Yeah, it's still Josh Yeah, for the season, I would I would have said Josh Klein either way. Thank you for listening. Get on the podcast sometime, man. We'd love to have you. Absolutely. We'll start them off strong. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you could have said Clayton and like you would have. It, that was a very safe answer. Right. Yeah. Okay. I mean, how many My, assists does he oh. have this year already in two games? Seven. Okay. Yeah. Can you guess who number a... two and number three are? Oh, I can. Right. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess Quinn's well, do you have to go in order? I, Quinn Snyder, I'm, I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna put him at number three, and I think I'll put uh, we'll put Colin Barry at number two. I'm gonna say Marco Dragney. I think he's still up there for assist. And, oh, for assist, assist. Give me, give me Cheetah. I, I don't know. I got nothing. Sorry. Who's uh, up Quinn there? Snyder. Quinn Snyder's one. He does five. Um, there might be a couple tied for third, but what the AUDL site is showing is Will Brandt with four in one game. Will Brandt got four assists. That's so, insane. Yeah, he like, hasn't played. He didn't play there. yesterday. That's pretty. Yeah. Sweet. So there might be a couple tied for four, but it's Sean yeah. William Brandt. <laughs> Willie, you said William Brandt. <laughs> it's, it says William. So. That's hilarious. <laughs> Will, if you're listening, man. All right, we're just goofballs tonight. Uh, we spent like seven hours in the sun yesterday, just baking and screaming from the top of our lungs. Um. Okay, my stall seven. I'm going to direct to Jay. Um. At, at one point in the game, they're in the strike game yesterday. They, they, they made a big comeback, being down um, to eventually take the lead. During this, this point scoring run, they didn't give up a single break, and they scored how many consecutive points? You got a couple seconds left. Oh, we were talking about it yesterday. I'm pretty sure it's six. It is six. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I would say it's either, it's either five or six. Cause I don't know if, if there was like a weird, like one score, one score that got five in a row, but yeah, it was, it was a pretty big run in that basically solidified the lead there. I think it dug them out of the deficit, sent them to the lead. And since then they didn't, they didn't give it up. So no. Yeah. That was, that was, that was what made the game. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I, I, have, yeah. oh. I have um, one more. Still going seven. to a stall seven. I'm going to, I have a conversation starter for like the strike game recap. So do another question. Uh, this one's for Jeff. Just got to yeah. give him a chance to get a, get a question in. Um, Jeff, we're talking about how the windchill were ranked pretty low on the power rankings. What did Adam Ruffner have the windchill ranked at prior to um, this week? I'm pretty sure it was number seven. It was number seven. Yeah. Nice. 
But was that like, that's just like across the whole league though. Like, right. Yeah. Yeah. You, and we only I, had one game. So I was going to say, I remember like you at the game, you were, you took pretty big offense to it. And like, honestly, I think that's actually really doing us justice. Like given that we only had one game, given that some teams are already like four and O, you know, like the empire, like, but, but yeah, I, I, I think, and we're going to get into this, like, this is a good transition, but we're, before we get too much into it, like the windchill are good this year and they proved it yesterday, they proved a couple weeks ago. Um, so yeah, that will, we'll talk more details, but I want to get into the strike game. If that's all right, we start with the strike game. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, initial thoughts, I guess, is is the way I'll kick this one off. Like they they gave up three breaks in a row, and just got off to a pretty slow start. And it was kind of dismal. They actually had like the, the first quarter they were down, and I think they were down at half. I can't remember off the top of my head, but yeah, what do you guys what do you guys make of the game and their big comeback? I think this is what I was gonna say a second ago. I think we've seen the strikes succeed in like every way that you can succeed as a team this year. They've had games where from the first poll, they've been go, 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 go in, in charge of controlling the game. They've had games where they've been doing that. The other team makes a comeback and then they finish it off strong still and still win. And now they've had a game where the first three points, you know how disheartening it is to get scored on three times in a row. Like, but now, but then they pull through that. And so, I think just like after yesterday, it just really solidified that like the strike team this year has the pieces to get through any gym. Like it is the team you want to have assembled in order to get out of whatever situation. So, yeah, it was it was sweet. And like we're going to I'm going to say it like this really for me proves more the point that defense wins games because I what I kind of noticed is that. Like, how do you get a break scored on you is that your offense is out, right? Like, that's your offense giving up that break point. Once their defense was able to get out there, I think they really found their legs. It gave it gave the offense a chance to kind of reset, recalibrate, and kind of figure out what their plan is. Like, clearly something's going wrong. Let's let's get off the field. Let's get some get our defensive out defensive line out there. And defense then I mean, they scored six in a row, right? Like Again, that's those are break points then. After you score six in a row, you're just scoring break point after break point after break point. And so I think I like you said, Kane, it's not that they were just throwing hammers all game and and doing the same old strike strategy, which is to to, to huck and pray, but they were being very strategic on both sides of the disc. They were taking opportunities when they had them, they were forcing opportunities. And yeah, like defense this time got to shine and not to discredit the offense. Uh, offense was still incredibly necessary and just as uh, helpful, but I think defense is what won them this game. Right. I think, sorry, Jad, I don't mean to like interrupt you. Just kind of get this. Oh, I'm sure he's got some stuff to say. <laughs> yes. I think the word that would be best to describe the strike is just like dynamic because like what you said, like this game, the defense really got to shine. And so it's really like adaptive and dynamic. And so, Jay, before you say anything, defense wins games when defense needs to win games, okay? Offense wins games, but, like, a defense, like, a strong defense is how you're going to win a game when you shouldn't win a game, if that makes sense. So I'll 
I'll, I'm going to interject. We're like just cutting off Jay. We're not letting him get a word in today. What? Get him well, off okay. <laughs> get him off. Get him. Jay, if you're listening, we'd love to get you off. <laughs> oh, get off the pod. <laughs> get him off the pod. <laughs> Hashtag. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> wow. We've derailed this podcast and it is like six minutes in. We once heard from a wise person uh, named PK. Uh, we were talking to PK a couple weeks ago, and we asked him the question, defense or offense, which wins games? And he very wisely put it, defense wins games, offense loses games. And I think I think Jay and I were pretty quick to agree, and obviously like you're going to agree with PK, but like, I think that was a pretty good way to put it. Jay, would you like to have the floor? Yeah, I, I think, uh, firstly, I think it's a little bit minimalist to say that the strikes offensive strategy is huck and pray. I think it's more like, yeah, Rob, that's that. like Robin Fennig's like handling style is like, hey, get deep because uh, guess what? I'm getting it to you. And I know like Fennig has been a big part of our, our offense, the offensive line of the strike. Um, but I, I know what you're trying to say. Like, that's that's what we're used to seeing. And we didn't see a lot of that yesterday. Yeah. Um, but also, yeah, I, I do think. You know, we got to trust the guy who's representing USA at U24, right? Um, I, I do. I did really agree with that because that's, I guess that's kind of the point I was always trying to make is that a good offense, if you have a good offense, you're not going to lose the game because it takes a, an offense to lose you the game, you know? So, yeah, well, their defenses might have secured them those wins. Their offense didn't give up the game. So you have to, it's like a starting pitcher who gives up 10 runs. He's going to take the loss, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. I think with the strike specifically for me, it's like, because again, now that they've won so many games in so many different ways, like it's hard to say what has been winning them games this year. Because last year it was very clear for like the Empire, for example. Like the reason they win is it's very clear every time their offense is crazy. But with the strike now, it's like, well, they won because of their defense, and they won because of their offense, and they won because of their playmaking abilities on both sides of the disc. Like, I think it's unfair to say that one line or the other wins games, especially when Naraya yesterday said it really well. Like, it's a system. It's 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 a whole like community driven effort. I, I guess team driven. The word is right there, um, and so I think like saying defense wins games or offense wins games doesn't really do it justice. I think the team is just positioned to win. That's true. Definitely thinking of it like that binary is is doing it a disservice and like the the nature of ultimate and the nature of the strikes game this year is to be flexible, to adjust on the fly and and to think quickly, like make make decisions in a moment's notice. And like I think a really great example of of a player who's doing that well on the strike this year is Sarah Mextroth. Like we were, we were just kind of keeping notes on our own phones and stuff during the game. And we've seen it time and time again, just throughout her career and throughout the season. But yesterday was a perfect example of how she had, I don't remember exactly how many blocks she had one or two blocks. And then I think two or three assists, two or three goals. Like she, she had a pretty even spread of stats is I guess what I'm trying to say throughout the entire game. It's like, she was making this impact every single way she could. And like, she is just like talented enough to be able to do that. And again, I think that just really signifies like the sh- that it represents how the strike have been working this year as a as a unit, and that's just one like case study of how they're doing that well. Yeah, and I think it also kind of goes back to what Daniel Byers said on the podcast when we got her on just a little bit ago. 
um, that she said like the team chemistry is really good that, you know, she, you know, she mentioned playing with Robin. It's like, if Robin thinks I can win, then I know I can win. You know, it's all this, we, we think each other, we think we're good enough to win. We know we're good enough to win. So we're going to go out there and win. You know, they have the talent, they have the skill, but more importantly, they have that team chemistry. They all believe in each other. They all, I mean, there's not one player on the strike who you can say, oh, this player's doing the best in the team this year. You know, they're all putting in a ton of work and they're all doing everything to get the disc downfield, to get the blocks and to get the break points in those crucial moments. And, you know, to come back from being, you know, down 0-3 and actually it was tied at halftime, 6-6 six to six yesterday, but they were tied at halftime. Like they already, they came back from a three-point deficit in the same half and then they ended up winning. So I think, yeah, well, a big part of that is the team chemistry that Daniel Byers is talking to us about. Yeah, I mean, it's it's unselfish ultimate. It's like, uh, I I was watching a documentary about uh, Doc Rivers, who is this great basketball coach for those who don't know. Um, he coached the 2008 uh, Celtics, who who eventually won their championship, and and yeah, he was basically talking about how it, to play basketball or play a team sport. Like, it's not about you hitting that three if you have a sure two pointer down there, right? You you can maybe get this three point where you know you can get that two pointer, but you have to pass that ball, right? Like, it's the same idea of you you give up yourself for the team. And in return, the team will give up itself for you, right? Like, I mean, it's it's kind of the classic, just like you're a part of a community, you're a part of a team. Like, it feels very obvious, but like to put into to practice and to actually see it work is kind of rare. But I think the strike they they figured it out, they cracked the code. And and again, like I think we talked about this last time or a couple weeks ago. But like, even if they don't go undefeated, even if they don't win a championship, like regardless of the outcome of the season. To see them game by game, winning each game in a different fashion, having a different player every game stand out and and get their chance to shine, is just incredible. Like it's been inspiring, I guess. Like they need to make a documentary about the 2023 Minnesota strike. <laughs> yes, sir. I think I think the wind show talk guys should get on it. Are we gonna make a documentary, guys? Uh, no. <laughs> who's got the time for that right now of us three who has time <laughs> yeah i've got time um no i think the other thing too that we don't talk about enough on the podcast is that it is fun to watch them play because there's some teams where you watch them and it's just like kind of routine like disc movement like they're running around but it's not like exciting gameplay with the strike it's like every single play every single throw they're like so much fun i don't no, not every single throw. That's a little bit exaggerating. Swing passes are kind of lame to watch, but I just like it's such an electric team, pun intended. And I think like just watching like them interact on the sidelines and every single point, the whole sideline gets off to cheer on whoever just scored. Like everyone runs out there. There's a lot of high fives, a lot of celebrating, bringing each other up, and it kind of plays into that team idea where like not only do you have to trust the other people on your team? You have to be able to support them. Like you, they have to know that they can rely on you. And so I think we've seen this team really turn into like a, a family of sorts. Yeah, I I do not disagree with that. Jay, were you gonna say something? No, no. Oh, okay. you unmuted. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, 
I have enjoyed watching the strike. Um, it, I'm going to miss them, uh, not being able to watch them at home anymore, um, but definitely are going to be streaming them. They had their next game on June 2nd um, in Milwaukee, or uh, right? It's against, oh boy. Oh, it's at Bree uh, Stevens Field, actually, um, against Milwaukee. So that is where they're playing next, and that's their last game of the year. So definitely excited to see the outcome of that game and where they go from here. Like, How do they approach this last game, do you think? Like, if you're the strike head coach, like, what do you do? I think this kind of goes back to what the post-game interview we had with Robin Fennig in the first home game with the strike. Um where she said, like, that first half, I mean, that first quarter, what, there was one point in the whole quarter or something like that, like, extremely low score. And then the start of the second half, like, both teams came out and they scored, like, like quadruple the number of points in one quarter than they had the whole game up to that point. Um, what Robin was saying was, like, we really found out, like, so this strategy wasn't working. We needed to be, like, seeing these types of cuts. We needed to be playing this way in the wind. We needed to utilize this other strategy that we already had prepared we just weren't going into the game knowing, oh, this is the pieces we're going to be using. It was more right. into the game trying to pull off this strategy, and we realized, no, we need to use this one. And I think what the strike have done throughout the rest of the season really well is gone into the game knowing what strategy to implement right away. And I think we didn't see that at yesterday's game, and that's why they came back really strong in that you know the second quarter and the third quarter. Um, they they got their strategy and they know what they were trying to go for. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's the strike really good. Yeah, I will say shout out all the coaching staff for the strike and all the players for like being able to adapt like, like that because it's not hard to every game come out and do and you know, like you said, utilize the different strengths. And it kind of plays into the idea that like it really is a team effort because there are so many different strengths on this team. And yeah, using a different one every game or even every quarter, like and just finding different ways to attack has been such like pivotal to their success that honestly, again, I think the best word for this team is dynamic. Like they really are just dynamic. Yeah. One. Well, and, and yeah, like Jay said, like them being able to adapt quarter to quarter, like, and how that initial strategy or like their offense wasn't quite working. So then they were able to, to change something, maybe not necessarily in their strategy, but like, yeah, their, their approach was different. Their defense supported where they needed to support offense was then able to, yeah, kind of readjust as necessary and and pull off a win. So I think, yeah, they've been very adaptable. They're able to pivot quickly and necessarily, and they're five and zero. Oh. That is sweet. <laughs> yeah, even if they don't win that game six, you know, five and one is still an incredibly good record. And yeah, you know, I I mean, I believe they're going to win game six. So like six and zero is an even better record. So <laughs> go strike, good chat, good chat. Uh, the other yeah. undefeated. Oh, okay. <laughs> the other undefeated Minnesota Ultimate Team, uh, of course, the Minnesota Windshield, who also had a huge game yesterday, like a, a big win. That, as Kane described, I'm totally taking your words, was a statement win, like 26 to 12, not even close. What? <laughs> All right. So after yesterday's game. <laughs> How do you guys think the standings in the central division are going to look towards the end of the season? Because, like, I'm not saying Philly is out of Philadelphia. Pittsburgh's out of it. I think they do still have, you know, a solid team. Like, like 
going into the season, they again they have a, a team that wants to succeed, and they said it at the beginning themselves and like the player chatter articles and stuff that came out. But Pittsburgh wants to win, and I think now that they did lose to us in such a bad way, I think they kind of lit the fire under their butt a little bit. So I don't want to count Pittsburgh out yet. I mean, it'll be but, interesting to see how how Pittsburgh does against like Indy, for example. And yeah, yeah. like not not necessarily the final score. Like I, honestly, I think they would lose against Indy. But like, yeah, if it's a competitive game, if it's close, right, then maybe they have a shot. But but yeah, like it's going to be a pretty competitive Central Division anyway. So, and so I think I'm a little more confident in the wind chill now. But I think next weekend, after we get a chance to play Chicago, yeah. I think we'll get a better idea of like kind of where the team stands and where the central division stands because again it's been two games we can't like the sample size yeah yeah Yeah, i agree i think go ahead i just think that's a really weird thing you know central division has played like so few games so far i mean like other than alley cats who have played four but other other teams played like two or one i think i mean yeah chicago and like Detroit, I think, have both played one game. Yeah, and we're we're both of their second games, I believe. Yeah. Um, but like, I mean, is it the East Division who's had four? And then there's a couple of teams. Like, I think Salt Lake Shred are five and zero, oh, and Seattle Cats yeah. are zero and five. So both of those teams have, you know, half of their seasons under their belt right, right now. Right. Yeah, that is a stark difference. Um. So yeah, I think the sample size once we get more more games under our belts, we'll be able to to, to better determine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I think the team has the pieces it needs to succeed this year. And I feel like we're already seeing the team like settle into the roles that we're expecting them to. And it's really interesting to see that because it's only game two. And there's a lot of like fresh faces and the lines look a lot different this year on offense and defense. And it's just like you can tell the team has been putting in the work with these new pieces because after that first, you know, five minutes of that first quarter of the first game, the team has had good like flow. And so any of the worries that I had at the beginning of the year of like, oh, what if the team doesn't really work well together? It's kind of out the window at this point. And now it's just like, well, let's see what this team can do. Yeah, I feel like the I think the chemistry was going to be a big concern right like not necessarily the talent like i think i think even with the loss of of the people they had i think the talent was still there and i don't think that was going to be a concern we've kind of talked about like you know we knew that that clayton would step up and we knew will brandt existed and and then and then they got jason cheetah so i was like okay jason cheetah is filling that role but but right that chemistry of like who was the leader on the field how is that going to change the chemistry is is someone going to be confident enough to to be that leader and yeah, how's the cutter chem like just uh, chemistry, right? Like that's what, to sum it up. Um, and yeah, that has not seemed to be a problem. People seem to be pretty much on the same page. Uh, they're cutting well. They're the handlers are working well together. Yeah, I mean, if you were to tell me at the start of the season that the leader for goals would be Marco Dregny, and then tied for second it would be Colin Barry, I would have looked at you and said, "Who?" You know what I mean? Right. Like, I would have been like, <laughs> oh, okay. Like, that's, you know, and Colin Barry's a captain this year. Like, good, like, you know, and like clearly, clearly earned it, clearly deserves it, you know. 
clearly helping the team chemistry and like putting up big numbers. And then like for block for blocks, Tanner Barkis is the most blocks on the team as well. It's like, you know, you got huh. these guys who like we didn't think of, you know, we didn't know, we didn't think of, we weren't expecting to put up these big numbers. And I mean, the whole team is really stepping up and really showing us like, Hey, we're going to win. Yeah. That, <laughs> that is really interesting that like, yeah, like you said, these players who you would not have expected, like the dark horses on the team almost that's, but I think, I think the chill have built a culture where I, again, very similar to strike, like unselfish ultimate, everyone's going to get their chance. Everyone plays their role and people rarely are going to step into those other roles. You're going to stay within yours. Not, not from a selfish perspective of like, I am a defensive cutter, so I'm not going to handle, but like, I know what I can do and I'm going to leave it to the experts who can do that, do the other stuff that I can't do. And it works really well. I'm feeling pretty good about this team this year. We talked about this. um, I I talked about this in one of the articles I did about, you know, stopping last year's mistakes and everything. Marco Dregny was mentioned in that article um, and like having like a real ability to make a case in, you know, 2023. Um, But another thing that that article mentions is like going for these big plays, you know, and like all these things that we, you know, try to do at the end of the quarter that, you know, we're going to try and stop this. Uh, We're going to try and, you know, get this point and everything. But for me, at least, I felt like Minnesota was going for the big plays on every play in yesterday's game. Uh, I mean, they they got two Callahans, so like that's that's those are pretty big plays. Right. Yeah how did how did it take us this long to bring up that fun little tidbit that two Callahans, two Callahans, big Callahan. in the AUDL in general this year, I think we can expect bigger plays like that, like specifically on defense because. Like uh, we talked about at the beginning of the year, there's going to be a lot more emphasis on defense, especially with the pull rule. And so I think Minnesota showing that they're embracing that from the get-go is is a really good sign because they're almost getting like, not necessarily a step up on other teams, but for the teams that don't adapt right away, we can leave them in the dust. Like if Pittsburgh didn't adapt, and I don't, don't really think they did on defense, I think because Minnesota is attacking so early on in the season, it's going to pay off big time and end in, in the season. Um, but I think this weekend will be a real test because, again, it's the for me, it's the the two road games that's going to be the big question mark. I think personally, if I was you know Feldman, I would play my hardest on Saturday. I would I would get that another. I'd try to get another big win, um, because the last thing I would want would be. I mean, not to, you know, bash in Detroit, but would be to lose to Detroit, especially the day before I'm going to play Chicago. Um, I mean, Detroit's lost either 63 or 64 games in a row. To lose to Detroit would be a huge momentum stop for the wind chill. And I just, I think that they, they can't have that, especially going to Chicago. And it would honestly be better to go one and one on the weekend, especially considering Chicago already has a loss, than to go 0 and one against Detroit, and then you know, question yourself the whole time you're playing your division rival. So, yeah, that's a good point. Like, use the use the confidence boost almost. Like, yeah, right. Assure yourself the win, and then take that into Sunday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll have to we'll have to keep an eye on on both those games just to see yeah who they play, how they play. If they get any more Callahans because. <laughs> 
they're on pace for something like what 20 now the team is <laughs> yes sir i think so, technically speaking they're on pace for because they only we've gotten two, two so far, right? yeah so they're on pace for one a game technically yeah yeah, yeah. so 12 callahan's yeah yeah but that's yeah. that's kind of crazy we saw how many last year total for the for the windshield just the one yeah we got two in the one game yeah i mean the one was it was one was the the really really nice hand block into a fantastic catch yeah the other one was just who bergmeier bergmeier caught the second one Mm -hmm. i mean that was just like a tip just basket catch for him he was right there for it too i mean watching it he almost looked like he didn't have to move yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he said that in his interview too. He was like, "Oh, it kind of fell into my lap," but like, still, you you got the you'll, you'll take the stat, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> wait, in what interview, Jeff? In the uh, post game interview, we can we'll we'll throw those post game interviews at the end of this this podcast, uh, so you can stick around. You can watch the the Naraya interview after the strike game, and then the Brett Bergmeier interview after the windshield game. I want to talk about something that's not going to be on the stats. Um, and that was Jason Cheetah absolutely destroying. I don't even know who it was, but I mean, that guy's, he should have stayed on the ground. That was brutal. I mean, like, he, dude, he hit the ground hard, too. Like, I watched the replay, he flopped. Like, I felt it in my chest. I'm I'm just glad Cheetah didn't throw that. Because if he did, that would have been the block. That, that would have been a highlight block. That would have been an ESPN top 10. You know, that right. would have been against the Winchell. So I'm really glad he didn't throw it there. Now I almost wonder if if Cheetah didn't throw it because he did that. I feel like I feel like it was a pump fake for a read, like a deliberate pump fake. Yeah, I mean, and I'm sure that's what Cheetah was going through in his head. He's like, like I know that guy's he doesn't see that guy, so mm-hmm. we're this close to the end zone if it goes. So because he he very quickly just took the dump pass like right afterwards. So, but I mean that was brutal. That was I wish there was a stat for that because. It was that demoralizing. Was yeah, I would have stayed on the ground. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. That's on. That's on our our Twitter and stuff. <laughs> Go check that out. Uh, that was pretty crazy. But yeah, uh, two two big Minnesota wins. Minnesota frisbee is just so fun to watch, especially this year. Um, so definitely hope you guys keep following us on on all of our socials. YouTube for our podcast, Twitter, Instagram for all the updates. And of course, subscribe for free on our website, windshieldtalk.com. Uh, we got we do regular emails and stuff and all of the fun, exclusive content behind the scenes and all that too. So definitely love to to have you on our list. Um, and just want to say that this, this episode is presented by the R1P1 uh, Network. Doing some great work within the uh, sports realm, doing the sports creative agency um, artwork and and thumbnails, all that great stuff. So very appreciative of them. And again, thanks for thanks for listening. Stay chilly and ka-chow. <laughs>